This week on Backyard Footy. It's been cool to see it grow because I kind of feel like it's grown with my soccer fandom in a lot of ways. Um, because accessibility has been really, it's been huge. It's, it's, it's only gotten better because, I mean, back in 2015, I don't think they had Opta working with them for stats or anything like that. So nowadays you can figure out like... ESPN Plus, all them little things. Yeah, so like you, you it's... Uh, thousand times easier to keep track of games and keep track of players and and things like that so that's I think that's what's been really helpful for my fandom because I'm I don't want to say I'm an obsessive type of person but like when I want to be invested in something I want to know like everything about it like I want to know yeah like I want to know and especially from a curiosity standpoint that I was coming from like I didn't know anything and I I still don't know much, to be honest with you. But, like, I wanted to know why this team was good and why that player is really good and, and, and things like that. So it's it's been really cool to see the league grow in that way um, just from, like, an infrastructure standpoint. What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the 28th episode of Backyard Footy with your host, Hugh Roberts, where each episode I dive into the background, journeys, and experiences of professional athletes, former athletes, coaches on my uh, most recent episodes, and now here we have a fan in the supporters group for the Jacks, which is the Charlotte Independent Supporters Group, and anyone that's been involved with the game. I have the local celeb here, the soccer goose, someone who's very, very influential in the soccer world here in Charlotte. Um, I want to bring you guys a brand new experience, show you guys, you know, what it's like to be a fan, kind of seeing us on the field and their perspective. So without further ado, what's up, Goose? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, I don't think I've ever been described as a celebrity. <laughs> I guess if you're on Twitter enough. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Trend in tweeting, you get blocked a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's happened a few times. <laughs> so what's your off-season kind of like now that the season's done? What do you have to do? I'd like to say it's filled with soccer of the good variety but I don't know I'm an Arsenal fan so that that's not been great um not too much I mean just trying to prepare for the next season with the podcast and try to figure out what we can do better as a supporter group learn and this last year was like the first real year I'd say that I've been like entrenched in things with the supporter group so it's kind of like process. How many things. years total has it been? Um, I mean, I've supported the independence since since 2015. Okay. Um, but I mean, I've probably been in. I guess you could say I've been in Jack's Militia for like two years now. Gotcha. Um, used to live in Greenville, South Carolina, and drive up to matches wow. for like two years. Wow. Um, so that got kind of old. Mm-hmm. Um, not incredibly far, but it's like. Just under two hours, so it's uh, it's a lot easier to uh, have my own bet I can crash in as opposed to right, what I used right. to do back then was I used to crash on uh, Chris Davis's couch, or just drive all the way back, which wasn't great. Mm. Um, true supporter. Yeah, well, <laughs> true supporter though. Driving two hours though sometimes after games, I know that's late night too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. It's mm-hmm. it's been fun to kind of look back. Mm-hmm. And think about 
I think I get caught up in like the here and now a lot, but when you like look back on like how far you've gone and what you've been through as a supporter and what you've experienced, it's it's a fun time. It's right. never. Uh, it's good to look back, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So, t- kind of tell us about like how you even got started with soccer, growing up. Where are you from? I'm from Vermont, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was. To give a quick synopsis, mm-hmm. uh, born in Vermont, lived there until I was 12. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved down to Sumter, South Carolina, uh, which there's nothing there, uh, which luckily we uh, moved from there to Greenville, uh, and I grew up in Greenville, I okay. guess you could say. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I... I Technically played soccer in high school, okay. um, like JV. So gotcha. I, I uh, <laughs> that's where the love comes from. That yeah, it, it's funny because my I I will I can say this wholeheartedly. My mom got me interested in the sport mm-hmm. because she was like, "You can go do this thing. You can get involved." I think it was like the first or second year I lived in Sumter that she persuaded me to go do this, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what I was doing. I know I, <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing, quite frankly, but. Uh, the only like crowning thing that ever like crowning achievement I ever had like I barely ever played to be honest with you but I currently wear glasses and I wore glasses back then for some reason they allowed me to wear glasses when I was playing yeah and I had metal frames on back then so I went to head a ball and I I was terrible at heading the ball like I was if I made contact I didn't know where where it was going but I went to head the ball and I think it got me right in the forehead basically right right where my glasses are which wasn't a great strategy mm-hmm. obviously my glasses basically shattered so i'm holding my glasses on the pitch i can't see anything without my glasses either like i've got like a in the middle of the game middle of the game so the next thing i know the referee is like you got to get off the pitch you right, got to get off right, the pitch right. i'm like what did i do like i'm like i don't know what's going on i was bleeding is what was going on cuz my metal frames cut the uh, bridge of my nose or whatever so it was so that's like the crowning achievement everyone after the game was like oh you were the guy that left the game because you broke your glasses and I was like yeah yeah that was me no No, yeah it was uh, probably for the best that I exited the pitch but uh, yeah that was like when I I mean my first experience in soccer and it was very limited Mm -hmm. to be frank I think I played a year Um, but what got me into supporting soccer, I mean, I had I, probably like 2014, I watched the World Cup, 2010, watched the World Cup, but nothing like distinct. Like my first soccer memory watching soccer was probably, I don't even know what World Cup it was, but I remember watching Sports Center and seeing that some French guy headbutted another guy in... Oh, 06. Yeah, 06. Okay, I didn't realize it was that far back, but I was like, I, was, I know who it is now, Zidane, but I was like... Some guy headbutted another yeah, dude in the biggest game too. in the world. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? And I'm like, this is this is a weird sport. Um, like, he's on the biggest stage of the world. Yeah, it's it was it was funny, but that's like my first, I guess, soccer viewing experience that I can remember. I don't even think I watched the game live, but I remember seeing it on Sports Center uh, the next day. And then, like I said, periodically watched games with nothing like. I didn't have any type of a fandom, but. 2015 rolled around uh, when the Independence got a club, and so you were an Eagles fan. No, no, I wasn't even like 
soccer wasn't even on my radar back right. then. Like I, I, I watched football and stuff, right. um, American football more yeah. specifically, but didn't know about the Eagles, didn't know about USL, didn't know about USF, didn't know about anything. Wow. Which is, it's funny when when I think back on that on supporting back then because I didn't know about anything. I just knew that there was a soccer game going on. I just knew my friends were going to be there. Is that why you kind of? Yeah. Started your friends were there. Yeah. So it, it's funny because the only reason why I ended up going to a game in Charlotte is because um, Chris Davis, the friend of mine, invited me to the games. He lived up here. We we had been friends before. I lived in Charlotte before, but it was very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, moved back to Greenville, and then he invited me to come out to a game on numerous occasions, and I didn't. Like I said, I didn't know a thing about soccer. Like I didn't. I remember when I went to the first game, and I was like, "Oh, he passed it back. To, the defender passed it back to the keeper, and he picked it up or headed it back. He, what he did? He headed it back to the keeper. And I was like, he picked it up. Why, why is everyone? Why is he not in trouble for doing that? Like I knew you couldn't do that, right. but I didn't know about the heading rule. Right, right. So I did not know much at all. But quite frankly, the thing for me, um, looking back on it, I, I want to say the main like motivation behind going to it was to be able to hang out with my friend Chris because gotcha. um, we had known each other for a long time but like I said he moved up to Charlotte I was still down in Greenville and he was ranting and raving about the team and I, I remember him telling me I don't know the exact way he worded it but I remember him telling me we're not very good the team <laughs> we're playing is very good because they were playing Louisville City oh, okay so the first year in the league? Yeah, first yeah. year, yeah. So he was like, yeah, we, both these clubs started this year. Yeah. Um, we're not very good. They hadn't won a game at that point. And it was like seven, eight games deep mm. in the season. Mm. So he's like, we haven't won a game. They hadn't lost a game, if I'm not mistaken. I looked all this up the other day because I was trying to refresh <laughs> my memory. Um, I don't, would not have remembered that otherwise. But it's funny how this coincided with doing the podcast. But... So I went into it thinking, we're going to lose, but eh, maybe a decent time. Mm -hmm. So I go to the game, and I I can't tell you that I remember a ton of things. All I remember was um, it was up at uh, UNC Charlotte. Oh, that UNC Charlotte? Yeah, up there. So it was, uh, I mean, for me, it was far in general because I was from Greenville, Greenville, of course, but I knew it's kind of out there, um, college field, of course, but... I remember it was it was cool because it like was something I'd never been to before. Like I really hadn't ever been to a any type. Of, I mean, I've been to like minor league baseball games and uh, things like that, but never really been to like a real live right. sporting event. I guess you could say definitely nothing like soccer. Right. Um, but it was cool. Like I I got to hang out with Chris, of course. I got to see the game, and the game was really interesting because and I. It's it's funny because I don't know if I said this after the game, but I, I feel like I did. I told Chris that like you must have planned all this because we ended up beating Louisville City, and it was a crazy game. I remember one of our one of the the Charlotte players basically got like football tackled. He collided with a guy, and the Louisville guy like elbowed him. He came off the pitch. It was. And it was crazy because the defender, the guy who got elbowed, got a yellow card. Mm. So the refing was crazy. That's never that hasn't changed, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But it was a really 
competitive game, and it, but it ended up being 1-0. That was the interesting thing. Is it wasn't like a 5-4 yeah. or a 3-2 or anything crazy like that. It was a 1-0 scoreline. Um, 65th minute, there's there's a back and forth, and there was I looked up these highlights the other day too, which is why I know so much about this. I have a terrible memory, I swear. But uh, Enzo Martinez sends in a send in a sent in a cross to uh, the Independents used to have a six foot six left back. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Patrick yep, Slogic. Yep, yep, so yep. they he sends in the cross and he heads it in past the keeper. He starts running to towards the supporter group. He jumps into the supporter group, and there's and it's I don't know who took the picture. I That's wish like I knew. This picture right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've it's it's that. my banner photo. I've but there's like that. three or four of us like catching him, yeah. which how any of us managed that was to your do first it. First game. First game ever. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that. That's kind of what I was alluding to, the fact that I was like, Chris, you must have planned all this out because it was a super competitive game and I ended up catching a soccer player. And I'm like, that, does this always happen? Like, what, what is going on here? Um, so but yeah. That kind of hooked you in from then. It really did. Like, it, I can't for the life of me remember if I made it to another game that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me incredibly interested in what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wanted to know everything I could about USL Pro is what they ended up calling right, it back then. then. Yeah, so like I, there obviously wasn't as much, and I wasn't on Twitter back then either, so I wasn't um, in the loop as much as I could have been. But I was super curious about what it was because, like I said, never been to a soccer game. This was an, a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I said, we went into the game thinking we were gonna have no chance. Uh, and we beat a team that hadn't lost that year, so I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't really. I but well, let me get to my point. Yeah, I, the, I don't think I went to another game that that year. I may have one or two, um, but it was obviously a little bit more difficult to to make the drive up and whatnot. But the next year, I ended up getting season tickets because I was like, I got to give myself an excuse to go. Because uh, so I'm like, I can get season tickets, and then it's like I have to go because I've already made this investment. From so Louisville. yeah, um, and I, I didn't go to like every game. I can't I can't pretend like I made it to every game and I was that guy in the stands. But it was it was cool because Chris had a couple other friends um, that he always went to games with. So I got to know them a little bit more and hang out with them. And they they all knew a lot more about soccer than I did. So I just wanted to hang out and learn about it. Honestly. Right, right. 16, um, they're pretty good, too. Enzo, I think, almost MVP that They year. were, yeah. I, I mix up the years here and there, but 16 was the year. I think 16 and 17, they finished fifth in the... Those are the top. Definitely, I'm definitely 17, because I was in Philly. Yeah. I remember Independence coming to us, and they whooped us pretty bad. And oh, that was a yeah. good, dominating game from them. And they're, yeah. they were top four in the league at that point. That was definitely 17. I'm not sure about 16, but definitely 17. Yeah, but, and then 16 was just... It was a... It was a good year, all things considered. And I think it was a great year for me because I think there was more exposure in the league, too. So it was kind of – and that's what's been really cool to see about the league as a supporter is, like, the level of availability of things is just exponentially grown, which has been really cool to see. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, too. So from your perspective, how's the league kind of grown in your eyes? I think it's it's been cool to see it grow because – I kind of feel like it's grown with my soccer fandom in a lot of ways um, because accessibility has been really 
It's been huge. It's, it's, it's only gotten better because, I mean, back in 2015, I don't think they had Opta working with them for stats or anything like that. So nowadays you can figure out like... ESPN Plus, all them little things. Yeah, so like you, you, it's a thousand times easier to keep track of games and keep track of players and, and things like that. So that's... I think that's what's been really helpful for my fandom because I'm... I don't want to say I'm an obsessive type of person, but like when I want to be invested in something, I want to know like everything about it. Like I want to know. Yeah, like I want to know, and especially from a curiosity standpoint that I was coming from, like I didn't know anything, and I, I still don't know much to be honest with you, but like I wanted to know why this team was good and why that player is really good and and, and things like that. So it's it's been really cool to see the league grow in that way, um, just from like an infrastructure mm-hmm. standpoint. In a lot of ways. So then you go on 16, 16th or 17th. How'd you kind of join Jack's Militia? So it was, it was a slow progress for me joining Jack's Militia. Um, the real part that made it easier for me to get involved with Jack's Militia, I, I mean, I was at that point, I was on Twitter when like 20, I think I joined in like 2016, 2017. Okay. So I was a little bit familiar about who was in Jack's Militia and things like that. But 2017, I ended up moving up to Charlotte, so that made it a lot more easy, or a lot easier, I should say, uh, for me to get involved in the supporter group on a week-to-week basis. Um, so yeah, 2017 was the first year. Uh, my memory's a little foggy on that year, but I remember there was just a ton of buzz about the club because we were finally going to get our own home because we had been a transient club before that. Because I mean, I think I think we've played in four or five different locations. Yeah, I over the years, two or three of mine. Yeah, yeah. but that 2017, two. we finally had uh, the sportsplex to look forward to, which I get a little. I mean, I've seen comments about it being a high school field or being this or being that. Like, where are they playing these games? But I love that place. Yeah, it's, to me personally, where I'm coming from, I like the stadium too. Yeah. And for the independent size wise, it's a good small mm-hmm. size stadium for the fan base and just everyone in general. Yeah, and it's and it's like the other thing too is it's the pitch is really nice, yeah. so you know you're not playing on a Louisville baseball field, things like that. Like it's it's, and especially there, that was when like I finally getting got more involved with. I don't, I don't even know that I got that much involved in 2017 with Jack's Militia. I'm trying to remember. Because I know me, Chris, uh, Lucia, and Kyle are their names. That were the, the group of friends that I basically made. Well, I knew Chris, of course. But basically the group of friends I made through independence and supporting soccer and whatnot. But we would sit behind the uh, away bench and heckle the coach. Which was really interesting. Because there were some times where you the coach would notice and... Like, there was one time, I think it was 2017, maybe it was 2018, but uh, FC Cincinnati's coach, uh, Alan Koch, he, I was heckling him like crazy because I, I didn't, I, I don't dislike them, but I didn't like them. And they were our opponent, the Queen City Cup and all that kind of stuff. And I was just heckling them here and there. And there was, it may have been 2018, but whatever year it was, I was heckling him here and there because, you know that like box they're supposed to stay in? Yeah, yeah. We would always yell at him if they got out of the box <laughs> and if they were raising their voice and things like that. But there was, there was one game, I was just letting him have it. And 
I think they were winning or we were trying to finish off the game to it may have been for the win but we had a PK and I was and their keeper I forget his name what was oh, it the one he, I think he's an MS now too the one I think kind of short too Bren, Brene. kinda I, oh man Brene. oh Hildebrand. Hildebrand that's what his name was yeah he was ridiculously good at saving PKs I mean that was the year they ran on that US Open Cup run oh uh, okay but we go to set up the PK and I'm like and I don't even know what I said to him, but I was heckling him here and there. They saved the PK. They either ended up winning the game or tying the game. And he, I don't even know what he said to me, but he, it, it was noticeable that he turned around and looked towards our section because we were <laughs> heckling him the whole time. But, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been cool to see the, the club grow in that sense, too, because we've, like I said, we've been at such a transient club. And then we, we finally got our own home in, in Matthews, which, like I said, I, I like the place a lot. It's, it's got its problems and location, whatever you want to call it. But, like, it, for me, at a certain point, it's home. Like, it's, it's, it was finally, I think, what everybody wanted, where it wasn't just such a transient situation they were in. But, yeah. Is there kind of an initiation process again to the militia? Or... You know, you just came in, you knew Chris, you knew his friends and stuff, and they just beckoned you over arms. I would say there definitely isn't, like, a standard... Like, certain supporter groups have, like, membership fees you'll pay. Mm -hmm. Whatever that may be. I never had a moment where I felt like I needed to, like, pay my dues. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I've really liked about Jack's Militia is that I haven't felt awkward being there I, th- I think for me I think a lot of people's experiences are different is what I'd say but for me it was a matter of like showing that I'm supporting the, the independence rather than just like saying I am in a lot of ways like it like for me it's like kind of I mean like you've kind of said that I'm I don't know the true fan or whatever you say it's, it's kind of what I do like I don't it just seems like the right thing to do. Like, okay, they're going to be here, there, and everywhere, but, like, you support the club. Like, and we've, like, even though we've had those couple decent years of success, we've never been great. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, I think that there isn't, to answer your question, there isn't, like, an initiation with Jack's Militia. It's kind of like a, I mean, we're a small group. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, but we, we kind of... When you show up enough times and you, you prove yourself, that, that's kind of the initiation, I guess you could yeah. say. And we feel that, too. We definitely, even sometimes on the road, too, you guys, even though it's small, we've had yeah. some fans there on the road. We appreciate this. But even the rain, all the open yeah. cup, all the craziness this season you guys have stuck through. Mm. I mean, we give you guys a lot of um, appreciation for that because that's what kind of, you know, fueled us, too. And towards the end, we had the yeah. last couple home games. We're winning and stuff. You guys cheered us on, definitely, and inspired us. So kind of tell us how you got started with Jax. Jax, uh, Talking Jax, sorry, your podcast. Yeah, that was, I, uh, I started doing... For those who don't doing... know, sorry, that's like the supporters group podcast here for the independents. Yeah, thanks, thanks for plugging it, of course, too. It's, you don't have to do this, so I appreciate you doing <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, I, I started doing some very small level, uh, doing like previews and recaps in like 2017 when I first moved up here. And I liked doing it. It wasn't bad, but um, Alex Warren, 
was who I ended up meeting through um, the writing group that I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing, I think he, we, I did previews and he did recaps, if I'm not mistaken, for the team or whatever it was. But he, either I think he brought up the idea of doing a podcast, and um, I just wanted to know more and like just have an avenue to, I guess, devote towards the club in a lot of ways, and, and that that was really what like got me interested in doing the podcast I mean I I am now but back then I, I couldn't tell you that I listened to podcasts ever so I wasn't like same a podcast person man, yeah man. it's it's funny because like I like I said I wasn't always listening to podcasts and I was like oh I can do this thing but it was it was kind of like a creative avenue that I didn't have and despite what people say or I won't even say it that way but like it was easy to get into I mean, I, I got to give Alex all of the credit for it because he did all of the heavy lifting to get the thing off the ground, to uh, figure out where we were going to post the podcast and, and things like that. So most of the credit, and I will say to start the thing, all of the credit has been on him. I mean, he's been tremendously helpful just to get the thing off the ground. Um, which is a huge thing to do in general. I mean, just do it, have getting equipment set up and things like that. Um, I mean, we used to, when we first started doing it, we were doing it in his kitchen. So it, it was funny because when we first started doing the episodes, there was times where he's got a, not a puppy, but like a, a younger dog. So she's full of energy and she would run around the apartment. And there were times that when we first started doing it, where we'd be talking about this game or talking about this or whatever it was with the team and she would come up to me and drop this toy next to me and I'm trying to like discuss the game that happened last night and I'm, I'm trying not to laugh and it was it was really funny uh, doing that podcast uh, in his kitchen back then. Uh, now we end up doing it mostly over Skype just because he's moved away and um, just becomes a little easier thanks to the right. internet. So, right, right, right. No, that's funny though. It's always interesting, and you know, to look back on things and see how far you've come from too. Even for me too, starting last year in free housing at an apartment in uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. to now here, staying here in off season, just be able to interact with fans. So I really didn't even picture this myself even when I do it. Do it last year. So, do you kind of enjoy podcasting? What's your plans with it? Where you guys looking yeah. at? take it to the next step we haven't talked too much as far as next year for the podcast i did put out that survey um which i was really glad to see there was a lot of entries i had the idea and i was like oh if five people do it that'll be awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, but a good group of people have done it so it's been really helpful i mean i think now it's a matter of figuring out what our niche is with talking jacks i mean for me I spend so much time now listening to podcasts, whether it's soccer podcasts. I mean, for better or worse, I probably have two dozen podcasts in my podcast feed right now. Like, I listen to way too many soccer podcasts. So I'm always, like, trying to figure out something creative to do with podcasting. Because for me, I think the other thing that I've really enjoyed about doing it as as time's gone on is meeting other people from supporter groups, other people that are doing podcasts. That's I mean, we've been true. we've been lucky enough 
in 2018, uh, thanks to, a, I can't stress this enough, like 90% of the connections that I've made were through Evan Villela with the USL show um, and Views from the Bridge and maybe another podcast. He's probably got three I don't know about. Um, but uh, I made just a ton of connections through him with just finding different supporter groups for like the Red Bull 2, uh, well, podcast, I should say, Red Bull 2, all over the league. So that's made it, it's made a situation where it's, because back in 2017 when I first started doing the writing, I had a lot more free time than I have now. So I would be able to dive into stats and do this and do that. And eventually I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't watch games for other teams. This isn't going to work out. I was like, well, maybe I can just like connect with people on Twitter. Get someone that's doing what I'm doing in wherever the team's playing next. Right. So it's it's been really cool to see the how small of a world it is in USL and how close-knit the people are. Yep. Um, that's the same thing for me kind of too. I mean, when I started last year in Pittsburgh, the guy who, uh, I believe it's Mark, who runs BGN, he's from yeah. Pittsburgh, and literally just fell into my place. Like, I just decided to start it. Didn't know mm. anything about the BGN network. Didn't know Pittsburgh ran it. Mm. My guy, Mark, out in Pittsburgh. And then he called me as soon as he saw I was doing a podcast. Like, hey, would you like to be a part of BGN? I was like, all right. Yeah. I didn't even know it was that big. Yeah. I was like, all right, okay, cool. Didn't, didn't know every single team in the USL pretty much has their own podcast. Didn't know. And then from there, there's the networking. Put me in the group chat. And then everyone mm-hmm. is, it's like It's almost like a community because everyone supports each other, shares each other's stuff wants to be on each other's shows and mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me on my feet and I'm thankful for that. Evan too, Evan put me on the show, the USL show last year we Skyped yeah. him and that put me on with a lot of connections and stuff too and kind of transitioned into this year. So yeah, I'm definitely appreciative of all that as well. Yeah, it's been really cool to see and I think that's like the biggest thing for me that it's like really has stuck with USL in general and I've noticed it in other leagues too but more specifically with USL since this is kind of a USL-centric show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool to see... Because the thing I've kind of been coming to the conclusion of with Twitter here recently is that, like, the thing I love about it is I get to have conversations with people, for better or worse, with people from everywhere. And for me, I take it as, like, a learning experience so that I can, like, understand why somebody thinks the way they do or why somebody... Like the the Charleston rebrand, like I get like the the designers like talking about how he redesigned the twi- the the crest and things like that, and I get to it helps me as a fan I think because it helps me like shape my opinion and just get different people's experiences I think, which is really cool. Yeah. Of course, there's always the negative side of Twitter, um, <laughs> which it's 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 fun being a part of it, but soccer Twitter is. Hectic sometimes. It's uh, everybody's experts too. So yeah, well that's the that's the interesting thing is you've got a lot of people, um, and I think that's that's the funny thing about Twitter too that I've noticed here recently with all the MLS news and whatnot. Like like a, I don't know two three weeks ago somebody tagged me and Grant Wall on some article and I'm like 
this isn't no like I'm not I'm just a guy that's on Twitter way too much like yeah I'm like no 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 you're at that level though yeah you're, I'm like you are totally mistaken if you think that my opinion is half as decent as Grant Walls it's that is uh, funny wow yeah wow. It's, it's funny though just how I don't know maybe there isn't a ton of voices in Charlotte and that's why I got pegged with him but it's, it's funny when when things like that happen on Twitter to me. But it's also, I feel like your voice is kind of credible as well. I mean, you're also supporting, let's say, the average fan who doesn't really know much about soccer, wants to support the local professional team, but yeah. they're able to see your perspective and it's like, oh, okay, well, it's very credible and you're asking the same. I see what you're writing on Twitter sometimes. I see the yeah. questions that you're asking and you're asking very good, credible questions that even I would want to ask myself. Yeah. But sometimes maybe I can't even ask things. So I stay a little, yeah. You can voice your opinions, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. Just to see that, and everyone pretty much on Twitter has a right to just express themselves, and that's what's kind of keeps it free flowing and open. Yeah, I mean, I think that's me. that's the beautiful thing about Twitter is you can you can share your opinion, you can see other people's opinion. I think the the thing I've noticed too recently that becomes like the downside to it is when people don't want to have like actual discussions, and that I mean, there's been tons of times where I'm just like. Nope, I'm not going to respond to this tweet because it's like, yeah, it's like I, I, I want to, but I'm not going to invest the energy in that. So it's, uh, but I think ultimately the thing that I've really taken away from, because I mean, heck, there's been times where I'm like, I got to get off Twitter. It is, it is not worth it. But I think for me, it's a matter of what you want to get from it because like, I learned so many different soccer stories that I would never know about because of Twitter and the BGN network. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of really creative people out there that are making quality content that I would never know about if it wasn't for the platform. And I think when I say you get from it what you take from it, it's, I think there's a lot to be said about trying to be positive in a lot of ways. because And that's something I've learned here recently because there's been times where I just get super negative about things or uh, <laughs> this, that, and the other. But at times, like, I think it's the positive you can take from it is much more than the negative if you right. if you focus on that, of course. Right. But I agree with that. Yeah. So kind of tell us from the supporters' perspective how this season went for you guys and your eyes. Man, I tell you. I was thinking about that all today because I was like, I really got to have a good answer for this. But it's it's been a tough year. I mean, it's we've talked about it a little bit. We talked about it on the last podcast. It's been a weird year. I mean, I remember when I... I normally am an early riser, but the morning that Jim McGinnis was hired, I woke up late, and I there's a group chat I'm in with Chris and some other people, and... The first message I saw when I woke up was, man, when Ben wakes up, he's not going to believe this. Or something like that. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going through the messages and I'm like, wait, a news outlet in Ireland reported that there's a coach coming to Charlotte. But I'm like, we have a coach, Mike Jeffries. What's going on here? And there was all this news going on with it. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I sleep in one morning and we've already <laughs> got a new coach who's never coached soccer before at a high level. So it's like, what is going on? And it's been interesting because, 
I mean, luckily, I've been fortunate enough just through connections and, and through the front office, really. Um, I was able to, to talk to Jim McGinnis the, that, in that press conference he had. Oh, that's right. Um, I happened to be, I think, off work. Or, I was free that morning whenever it ended up happening. Um, and I remember telling Chris in the car, because we, we lived together at the time, and uh, we were driving back to the apartment, and I'm like, you know what, I feel pretty good about this situation. If nothing else, though, and I, and I, I retreated, because I'm a natural optimist in a lot of ways, which you could, <laughs> is plainly obvious in that statement that I thought it was going to be pretty good, uh, especially with 2020 vision, uh, looking back. <laughs> but um, the, the, the other thing that I said next after that is, it's at least not going to be boring. <laughs> like, it's not going to be a boring year with what's going on right now. And it, it definitely wasn't. I mean, it... It was so interesting from a supporter perspective because you're like, well, we hired a, a Gaelic football coach as our soccer coach. Let's see how this goes. And, I, and I, it's, it's funny because I don't know if you noticed, but Chris uh, got me for Christmas. He got me Jim McGinnis's like memoir going oh, through. No, his, I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> going through like his whole Gaelic football like uh, story and whatnot, which it was a great book. Tons of it I didn't understand. Right, like right. Gaelic football is a weird sport, mm-hmm. uh, plain and simple. But it, like I read the book, so I was like, I'm like the Jim McGinnis expert. I know all these things, but I also knew like nothing because like you didn't know how he was gonna play. Yep. You didn't know his tactics. You didn't yep. know anything about him at the same time. So going into it, you're like, you you want to support this? Like this is the move of the club, but you're also like, you're you know, going back to Twitter. You're seeing all these jokes about like. They hired a coach that doesn't coach or didn't coach soccer before. So you're like, you're right. I want to say you're wrong, but you're right. So like, it almost gave us like a. It was such a weird time because like you want to support the club and like the move that they're making, but also it didn't make a ton of sense. Um, and then just as the season progressed, it was like. <laughs> I mean, for me, like I like I said before, I knew nothing about soccer. Like. From back in 2015, I barely know anything about soccer now, but I was like, I don't know what's going on in the pitch. Like, I don't know what tactics are going on. Like, I'm trying to follow this and follow that. Like, we'd go to do a show for Talking Jacks, and I'm like, well, we lost again. I don't know what happened. Like, I, I, I mean, there was, this was a tough year in a lot of ways, just supporting in general and doing the podcast, because it's like, well, we lost again. Yeah. Um, these same kind of mistakes happened again. And then, like, the amount of, like, uncertainty of, like, having, what was it, like, seven or eight players in training camp. So you're like, because mm-hmm. that was totally normal for us in a lot of ways. What, in preseason? To have, not, to have very few players announced. That oh, was oh, abnormal, oh, to have seven in training camp. Oh, but, okay, yeah. like, we were used to, at least I was used to as a fan... To not really know that's what's what, going yeah, on. That's Mike's tactic. That's what I've learned yeah. here. Mike does it on purpose. And traditionally, yeah. like you're saying, Charlotte does that and is still doing it now. And yeah, that's yeah. What, so we're happening. like, okay, this isn't like crazy. And then like two months before the season starts, we're like, okay, we've, we've got, I don't know, so let's say seven people. We, we need 11 people to feel the team a month before the season. Okay, we've got 11 people. We, <laughs> we, we, need, we need some reserve people. Right. 
two weeks before the season. Okay, what's going on here? So we, we need players. Like, we were joking back and forth in the supporter group, like, uh, hey, Eric, you can still play goalie, right? You, you, you can do that, right? Uh, Richard, you can play center back, right? And uh, things like that, which would have been a terrible experiment, obviously. But it, uh, it was, there was just so much going on. And I mean, as the season went on, too, though, it just, like, for a certain point for me, I was like, you gotta, like, ride it out. And then eventually I was like, now, like, <laughs> this is not working. Like, there's no progress. I, so what I, were you guys thinking, though? Like, what did you guys think was the, the answer to uh, solve our problems, you know, from the outside perspective? I'm sure you guys are talking, like, we're all frustrated. I course, mean. What did you guys think would have been the solution? Ultimately, and it's funny because I was on the USL show, I think, like, a week before McGinnis was fired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think he's going to get fired. He probably needs to. Because at that point, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was defending him, but I was also like, I mean, are you gonna fire a guy that you brought here for a three-year See, contract? Like, there's so many things where you're exactly like, exactly what I thought too. Yeah, and I've never dealt with a coach and getting fired in the middle of the season, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you, like, even with through all that stuff, I was like, at least give you're gonna give the man a full year. Yeah, because I mean, in in some ways. The way I always was, the way I was rationalizing it to myself in my head was, I mean, he hasn't coached a lot of soccer. The upside is there, I guess you could say. Like, because from like reading his book, he was a, a motivator of people. But there was a lot of times, it was interesting reading his book because there was definitely times where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if this strategy is going to work. Like the the way he seemed to like. Like, there was one specific story in the book. Um, well, example in the book, I should say. It's not a story necessarily. But I think it was, like, the year before they won the some huge trophy. I still don't know what it was in, in Ireland. But some huge trophy in Ireland. Before he won that, he had this star player. And the star player said, like, one thing in the news outlet that wasn't, like, glowing about him. And he didn't let him come back next year. And he was the star player, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if that really, like... I gotta read this book. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It, there's, it definitely gets you in the mind of him um, a lot of ways. But it's... I think at a certain point, I, the, the writing was on the wall that it had to happen because just things weren't getting better. I mean, we had the... Of course, the, the bad start of the season... The first win we got against the Steel, I was like, I don't know what changed. Like, I'm like, the Steel aren't a bad club, Not but at the time. same time, like, I don't think we played that well. Not that we played poorly, but it was... The lineup wasn't the strongest either, I don't think, from the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, from a player's perspective, going into yep. the offseason. So, I mean, Mike brought me here, the reason why I came out here. And then all of a sudden, you know, I see news about Jim. You know, it's on Twitter about Jim. And so Mike immediately hits me up like, Hugh, I can explain everything. I was like, all right, whatever. Talk to Mike. Mike's still cool. I was like, all right. So I had a conversation with Jim. Mm-hmm. Jim's like, so I don't, I don't even think I told this on any other show. Jim's like, I have 20 different styles to play at the back. I have 20 different styles to play when a team sits in. I have 20 different styles to play when a team presses. 
have 20 different styles for goal kicks, 20 different styles for throw-ins, like everything you need, I have it. Now I'm, yeah. I'm at home. This is, honestly, this is like this time last year. <laughs> yeah. I'm at home, like, <laughs> yeah. wow. Like, didn't even see the signings. I already knew, like, Enzo and a good, decent core was coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I figured he was going to sign some more players at some point, but I really, wasn't really worried about that. I'm just like, wow, I'm really going to learn a lot from this guy. Yeah. And I'm kind of an optimistic person, too, because I always, even through the tough stretch, and then we, when definitely when Mike came, we went on the eight-game unbeaten streak. I was definitely thinking playoffs and stuff. Yeah. But when he came in, even when we struggled the first month or so, like, I was still about four, you know, we're in practice sometimes, and we're going through these goal kicks, and... I've, this is the first year ever where I've been on a team where we spend at least like 15 to 20 minutes on goal kicks. I'm talking really? about like... 15 to 20 minutes of like how long of practice? Of like, this is like in, well with him, this is like kind of close to preseason, maybe close to two hour practice. Sometimes I'm yeah, That seems like a lot of time. It's, to... a, it's a long time. Yeah. This is typically after training too, so an hour and a half you're tired, then we're going through stuff, and we're going through goal kicks. And this some of it's like... All right, Brandon, you fade to the you play to the right side like me. He plays it back, which the whole defensive team should shift, and then you have yeah. the left back wide open. We did that play sometimes. Probably the only one that worked when we find the left back wide open sometimes. Brandon okay. did that. Yeah. But other than that, he wanted sometimes to play Jorge off his head. And Jorge is like a good. He's good in the air, but he's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? That he's like five nine, like five ten, like that, or play off. You know, ends or keep on flicking it over. Just, I'm telling you, just so many different plays. I look at the MLS guys. I'm like, Dom, no, like. In the MLS, do you guys go through goal kicks like this? I had really had no yeah. idea. I've never really dealt with a European coach either. So, uh, again, I'm all for it because I'm inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And then when Mike kind of transitioned through, I saw the difference immediately and literally that day. I mean, we had no idea either. And I yeah. told you, I thought he was going to last the whole year. News was the, the night before he got fired. It was like on a Wednesday. News was, you know, talk, traveling amongst the team. Brandon hit me up a little bit. Did you ask? No, there's no way. He's here. <laughs> It was, this is not the EPL. It was the independent. Yeah. Go ahead and buy a guy like this. They just brought over for big money. Exactly. And it happened. So, mm. so how did the? Do you feel like the locker room shifted a lot as far as like the emotions and feeling in the locker oh, room? Oh yeah, that happened. Like, do you feel like it was like a relief or? I mean. <laughs> I'm sure in some players' minds was a leap, but you could feel like the weight lifted off every every single person. Like literally yeah. that practice. So Mike came in. This, I'll tell you what happened. Went to the locker room that morning. Walked in. All the GMs and owners were in there. Where um, again, my eyebrows raised. Like what's going on? Yeah, right. right in, talking to Mike around the corner on the stairs. Like I'm like, all right, something. Talking to Jake too. I'm like, all right, something's going on. Yeah. This is before practice. Usually got to be up like eight thirty. This is around like eight twenty. So all right, we all have a seat and stuff. We don't see Jim anymore. All of a sudden, the owners just walk in. It's like, yeah, we decided to let go of Jim. Mike's transitioning on. You know, we want to bring that back to Charlotte mentality, get back mm. to winning and stuff. Bam, that was that. Mike's, yeah. Mike's like, all right, we're just going to go out in the field and just go play. I want you guys to have fun and play. Mm. That was probably one of the best free-flowing practices we probably had all year, too. Like, yeah. we just played the whole time. Mm. No, like, Jim wanted to... That's why he hired or, or signed guys like, you know, Zion and Dom because of speed, so he always wanted to play direct. But that's not really Charlotte ball. That's not how we play. We're possession based no. play out the back. Like, we, yeah. We're not playing to our strengths. And mm-hmm. so a lot of guys in the locker room were getting frustrated with him. We're, we were trusting the process. We were just yeah. getting frustrated in general because we're trying to play very direct at times when that's, we don't have anybody up there as a nine to be doing those things. Yeah. So the Mike came, we really just played. And for that first week, even trans- – we won that game at home, and then we went to Louisville, I think, right after. Yep. And even Louisville, we we should have won that game. They yeah. Sh- at home and away, but they, sh- they scored in like the last couple of minutes, but we 
dominated pretty much that whole game too and we felt good and then Mike just like honestly he didn't even yell that much or talk that much and yeah it, it seems like the granted I never was obviously there in the locker room or anything but from reading his book he seemed like a really intense guy yeah. and mm-hmm. for those in Mike's like the polar opposite mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken yeah that that's the vibe I've gotten from oh, yeah. Mike is that he's chill he'll let things roll off his back and things like that but that must have been. I'm talking about he didn't get in the guy's faces, and I mean he's feeling the pressure of himself on his job yeah. on the line too. So, and you know, I I really thought he had every piece of the puzzle in his hand, and at some point it really comes down to the system, and we can only do so much. And yeah, you could just even the month leading up to before he got fired and stuff. There's a lot of tension in the locker room, a lot mm. of tension on the field, a lot of a lot of division, a lot of just like between his guys and Art and like maybe mm. Mike's guys like were there originally or you know guys everyone we're, a lot of experienced guys so everyone had their own mindset on yeah. how things should have been and stuff so it was very interesting to see that progression and Mike came along and then, I mean that was the first that was before that July break and then July break came and couldn't win until September so that brought back a little more tension and stuff but again Mike's the opposite of Jim so instead yeah. of just like rah rah and bringing heat to heat Mike kind of came through coolness still and you know he, he trusted I'm sure he trusted his process himself and it kind of paid off for him in the last month and a half but yeah yeah it was interesting to see both of them in the um, progression of that what was your do you have any favorite moments of the season or anything favorite moments I mean as much as it ended poorly I'll probably never forget that Atlanta game we uh the three three game, I I will probably never forget that game for a lot, just a number of reasons, but mostly because like, that's probably the wildest game I've ever been to in in person witness. I mean it's from the get go you got when I saw Romario was in the lineup I'm like y'all dirty cheaters like this is not okay I don't like this at all, and then he scores like 15 seconds in, there's. Oh, it was such a crazy game. I mean, you've got the... Yeah, and like, we... And I think that was the second game of the year. Second or third. It was early. But it was like... I don't know if I can go through another demoralizing loss. Like, I'm trying to support this team. And we get the lead. We get the third goal. And like, you could feel the place was was rocking too. Mm -hmm. I felt like anyways. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in Jack's militia, so I may be a little biased, but... You could feel the place was energized, and then at the end of the game, you've got the Romario getting his hat trick, and he scores the last goal, and you're like, God. I'm like, the the high that we just had (laughs) has now been completely deflated. Um, I mean, I guess the other, like, my favorite moment... I mean, there's there's been some pretty good moments. I mean, the, the Hartford game, I think, was was a lot of fun because was the hard no the auto game is what I'm thinking of both of them were really good I mean I think obviously the the, the team was in much better form specifically the auto game just felt like it's the end of the year we're playing against the team we're probably we may not beat but like we've done good against them in the past like and it, I think it felt like like going into it, it would have felt really good to beat them, and we like demoralized them. And the fact that Charleston beat them the next week in the playoffs, that felt really good. I, I think 
the fact that it was a rainy game, even though you hate to see that because the crowd's going to be less. There's something different about a rainy game that I think I think that's always kind of fun. Um, I mean, that was the breast cancer awareness night, so that was cool with the pink smoke and everything. Uh, Jack's militia just got kind of got crazy with the smoke at a certain point where we we're like, finest USL, um, which I don't think they did, luckily. Um, but either way, that was pretty fun. It was just kind of like a, it felt like a really like, we're going to do our thing, we're going to have fun, both in the supporter group and on the field, I think was really cool too. It was, it was cool to see the, the club, even though the circumstances weren't great, even though they were playing against a really tough, tough squad, that they showed up, they balled out, and they gave us something to be happy about towards the end of the season. I think it was really good. What changes or anything would you like to see going on, happen next year, next season? As far as what specifically? Um, I mean, you can say in terms of roster-wise, in terms of just independence in general, what yeah. direction would you like to see them? And it's kind of tough, too, with yeah. MLS coming around. You can touch base on that as well. I was going to feed into that anyway. So I, mean, I think that's such a tough question for me to answer. I think for what the independence is, I've always been under the mindset of, and I wish I knew how to do this, if, if I could get more people out to games, if I could... If I was a more sociable person, not that I'm, I mean, I'm introverted by nature, believe it or not. Um, I swear I'm introverted, but I think, I wish I could get more people to experience what the independence is. Because I don't think it's, despite the, what are, like the, the fact that they don't market, they don't do this, they don't do that, they've been a transient club, they hired a Gaelic football coach like at the end of the day they're still here and quite frankly and we've seen it with other USL clubs here recently with the Fresno situation with the Lansing Ignite situation the ownership group could have left years ago and no one I don't think anyone would have blamed them I wouldn't have blamed them quite frankly but I think I wish I could get people to, to see the independence for what they are in a lot of ways, too, because you've got people like Jorge Herrera, who's been a veteran of the league and a veteran of the club. Um, you've got Enzo Martinez, who's been a stalwart for the club. And you can... I think he gets a bad rap because he's so passionate about what he does. But when you when it comes down to it, I think... I think he's the kind of player that ultimately everybody wants, but they don't want to play against. And that, that's kind of the vibe I've gotten from... I, I remember talking with uh, Kivon, and he was like, yeah, I've, I, I think back when he was like U13s or 14s or teenagers, whatever it was, he was like, oh yeah, I remember Enzo. I, rem- I remember him in, uh, back then. So you, it's, it's cool to see players like that. And you have players that really care about the club, I think is the other thing too that's different about this level. And I think that's... Whatever happens with the independence in the future, I think that's what's gotten me to, to continue to support them, to be willing to drive from Greenville back when it was then. Of course, I didn't know all these things that I know now, but I think you could tell that there was something... 
wasn't on a big scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it wasn't a, of the current day, the Phoenixes, the Cincinnati's, the whatevers, but you could tell something special was going on. And for me, it was, I wish, I wish there was a way of easily like focusing in on that and honing in on that. And um, I don't even know if I really answered the question. But I yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think that's, that's why to kind of lean into the MLS question, that's why I've been so hesitant to like jump into that bandwagon because I'm an MLS, like I watch MLS. I went to the MLS Cup a year or so ago. Like I'm not anti-MLS by default, but like it's just the way things have been going and the fact that it would, like the way I look at it is it, it would almost feel counterintuitive for me to support the MLS because the MLS club that would be here because it would it could very well mean the end of the club that got me into soccer in the first place. So I I don't blame people for being interested in it. I like I mean different circumstances I'm probably all into it. They ain't real fans though. Over passionate. They don't know yeah. well, it's, from independence to now. That's the Charlotte's such a weird soccer city I think and it's I've tried to look at the situation of MLS coming here from a different perspective because I think on paper MLS coming here is great it's fantastic it's higher level soccer they're going to be able to impact the community better on a grander scale this that and the other but I think the thing I've been trying to wrap my head around and try to articulate on a grand scale or a written article or whatever you want to call it is like I think you have to think about even though I love soccer I think you have to look at it from a different person's perspective I think and without getting too much into the politics of thing I think you have to you have to look at how it will affect everything else I think I mean you have to think that you have to look and see how it's going to affect the current clubs here not even necessarily the independents but I think as much as I'm a soccer fan, there's only so many of us that are going to be willing to support soccer. So if it's going to be at a detriment to the current soccer that's here, I don't know that I like that. Right. I mean, and I think it's a complicated question. It's a complicated situation, quite frankly. You're a true fan, though, so it's appreciated. Yeah, it's... A lot of people, lot of people have that loyalty with MLS coming. It's quick and very easy to just immediately shift your focus to the MLS instead of... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you... Uh, that, that's one thing that gets disappointing about Twitter is the amount of times I've seen people say, I can't wait, soccer's here, I'm going to be the first person to buy season tickets. I mean, I try not to put too much energy into it because I understand it's coming from a good place, I understand this, I understand that, but I mean, I even saw someone say today, I think it was a news reporter or something, say, soccer's here, and I'm like, <laughs> let's let's ignore the fact that the independents are here. You've got so many other things. Like, there's two, three other clubs in the area that are here. So it's like, it's such a weird situation with soccer that I think, I'm hesitant to think it's going to work here because I think there's a lot of people that only want the best type of thing. And if it's not the best thing, even if it's MLS, if it's not the best MLS club, then what's the point? So it's it's really going to be interesting, I think, ultimately, what's going to transpire. Interesting perspective. So you have a couple fan questions from Matt. 
Cool. He wants to know how and why did you start podcasting? Um, really, it was just a way for me to have a creative outlet to. I don't even want to say support the club, but to like, I guess, voice my opinion about the club, really. Because I was always looking up stats. I was always doing this and doing that and trying to understand what was going on with the club and keep track of the new players coming in and and this, that, and the other. So I think it was just really a way for me to use those passions I had and Put them forth towards something. Makes sense. What have been your best and worst moments as a soccer fan? Best moment. I'm trying to think. Best best moment. That's a good question. I think. Let's go with the worst one first of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the worst moment I probably ever had was when we went up and played North Carolina FC 2018, I think it was, 2017. And we lost like 5-3. It was not a good experience. It was, luckily we had a bus that took us up there. So that none of us had to drive home sad. But that game, I tell you, they, mm. those games are really something. Especially this one at home this past season. Oh yeah, that was that was not a fun one either. That one like I tell you, I I I have a oh, a love-hate relationship with the fans in, <laughs> over there because there's there's certain ones that are great, but there's certain supporters in that group that just yeah. I don't get it. They they want to be hated and they, they they try to make it as possible to hate them as much. But uh, I don't know. The, the best moment as a supporter, last year when we opened against Ottawa was a really good. The, the funny thing, it's hard for me to really pinpoint like my favorite, like the best moment as a fan because the game when, uh, the first game when uh, Mike was the coach this year against Birmingham, I was out of town. And in fact, there's a weird thing where I forget exactly how many times, three or four different times when me and Chris have been out of the state, the team has won at least three to one, four to one, five to one. It's it's really weird because when we went we were going out of town for the another podcast I do, and we were like in the the team was in bad form, but we just got Mike and we're like, screw it, we're gonna win, we're gonna win the lopsided victory and the funniest moment where this happened was we had done it like two times in a row like we beat the Red Bull 5-1 when we had no business beating them and they were really good and we were really bad (laughs) and then the next year same thing happened me and Chris were out of the state and um, we were playing St. Louis and we destroyed St. Louis 5-1 but neither one of us were there I've never seen more than three goals in person Um, and then the funniest moment where this happened was we were playing Cincinnati 2018 and I think it was beginning of the year and we had not started off well and they were doing good because this was the year they had their MLS uh, yeah the, the, what their MLS push and I went on a Cincinnati podcast and I was like 
you know what, screw it. I'm going to say we're going to win 5-1. I'm just going to say it because if it happens, I'm going to look really smart. It's probably not going to happen. But me and Chris were out of town for the game because I knew we were going to be out of the town for the game. So I'm like, we're not going to be there in person. We're going to win 5-1. We won 4-1. Wow. But there was at least a few. And the, the guy I was doing the podcast was, he was like, you're going to get some, some crap on Twitter if this doesn't happen. And I was like, but if it happens... A lot of people are going to think I'm smart, which, of course, it was complete coincidence. But I had people after the fact, like, saying, well, how did you know this? What is going on? Like, this, that, and the other. But that all reminded me of probably, like, my favorite memory overall as, as, a, as a supporter, where I was there for, luckily, a, a, a good win. Um, it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken, First year we were at the Sportsplex, whatever year that was, we were going up against Louisville, and I remember they were in really good form, and we either really needed a win or we were not doing very good at the moment. And it was the first, I think it was the second hat trick in history, but Enzo had a hat trick. It was a crazy game, back and forth, but the craziest part about it was Enzo very early on got a yellow card for getting in the way of a free kick. So, yeah, I mean, he, he used to be crazy back then, but now he's a little bit more in tune with himself. But And then he gets the third goal, which gets us up. You know what? That's what it was. Now I remember the context. We were like neck and neck with Louisville. So the team that won that game was going to get first in the, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. So we're going into this game. Like, we need this game to get number one. And we just like... I don't think we dominated the game, but we, we like, gave it to him. Like, we were – but Enzo, like I said, he gets, he gets his hat trick, and it's, like, 80th minute or something. So the game's still got some other time on, but he gets his hat trick, and he goes and jumps. He didn't jump into the fans like Slogic did, but he jumped on, like, the railings. You know how you can do that? And he's up there celebrating with Jackson Militia because he just got this hat trick. It was the first or second in, in the club history. I think it was second. But regardless, he's super excited. I think Joel jumped up there with him and one other player. And all of a sudden, Enzo gets a, a second yellow. So we're like, highest of highs. We got a hat trick. We're going to beat Louisville. And we ended up winning the game, luckily. But like all of a sudden, he's getting sent off. But I'm like, so he's getting sent off. Joel's not getting a yellow card for doing the same thing. Whoever the other person was didn't get a yellow card. So I'm like... The refs are trying to have it get it out for us, right. but that game, that game especially, I think that was the game too where it was a near sellout or a, a lot of people were there too, and, and Donnie Smith cleared a ball off the goal line, bicycle kick style, like over his head, and like the whole stadium erupted because we needed that stop. So it was, that was probably my favorite memory as a, as a supporter up until this point. Hopefully it's down the road. The, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll finally see a four or five goal experience in person. Can you um, give us uh, an example of a supporter group being the best they can be? I think, and this is something I've been trying to figure out how to do with Jack's Militia because I, I want to get invested in the community more often. We've done it here and there. But the thing that gets me excited about and the thing that I, one of the other reasons why I really like Twitter in a lot of ways because you get to see all these other experiences, but like two pinpoint things that have got that I've seen the best out of supporter groups. 
is recently, I forget the numbers, but like several thousand dollars supporter groups are, are raising for, for causes in their area. I mean, the Northern Guard up in Detroit City, they're, a, they're an MPSL club, NISA club, whatever you want to call them now. I, it may change by the end of this podcast what, <laughs> what conference, division, whatever they're in. Um, but they're, it's awesome to me because they, they kind of put this front and they, they're, they're very aggressive as a supporter group on Twitter and in general, they're uh, ragtag and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, they put their money where their mouth is and they're raising tons of money for their community. I mean, to, to give a, I, I want to say it was forty or $50,000 the St. Luligans uh, raised for uh, their charity du jour. And they've just, they just started doing it. Wow. And I think that's, that's the thing that I really like about Twitter too. And, and in general, what gets me excited about supporter group and supporter culture is when you're, when you're doing things that have nothing to do with the team. When you're, you're doing something that you don't have to do. Like nobody's forcing you to do these things. You're, no one's making you raise money for a, a commun- your community, but you're, you're literally impacting the community through the sport. Mm-hmm. I like that. And definitely, I mean, reaching out to the community not only boosts you guys up, but it boosts us as well from a marketing standpoint because mm-hmm. you're representing independence as well in a sense too. Yeah. But Goose, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, it's thanks for having awesome me. show. If you guys haven't heard part one, make sure you head over to the Talking Jacks. We just had our most recent episode where I talked about my perspective from the season. And also just give them a follow in general because they're great guys. Backyard Footy is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's bgn.fm on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. And Backyard Footy is also brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and the Golden Gold Press.